This is a download from Wireless Theatre Kids and is suitable for children aged 7 to 11. Now are you comfortable? Now are you clean? For I have a story that isn't half mean. It's a story of murder, of greed and betrayal, and frightens little girls and little boys without fail. So get yourself ready as you sit by the fire, and I'll tell you the tale of Tommy O'Quire. In a small little town on Ireland's west coast lived Tommy O'Quire in his upturned boat. A broken old thing that leaked when it rained and the wind did blow through it and the sun too when it came. So here lives young Tommy in poverty and grime. But young Tommy's a schemer and he's biding his time. Yeah, thinks young Tommy, I'm biding my time. I'm waiting for the moment when I'll start my climb to the top of the tree, to society's cream. Then I won't have to live near these sodden old beams. This boat that don't float with its rats and its mice. The cold and wind and in my clothes all the lice. Now in Tommy's wee town, there's a pattern of sorts. People fish, people farm, people sing and play sports. But not our young Tommy. He does as little as he can. He says he don't need no woman and he don't need no man. I'm fine on my own boasts that boy in his boat. I'd soon as kill a man as I would kill a goat. But then every a while, when Tommy's not flush, he's got a pound in his pocket. Oh, look at him rush. Down the old cobble streets, past the houses and docks, and little old deers in woolen cassocks and smocks. They say, there goes our Tommy. He's a strange lonely cub, and just look at him now as he runs for the pub. The pub's name is Muldoonies, and Muldoonies the name of the landlord of the pub into which our Tommy just came. It's a vile, run-down place, all smoky and damp. The walls are all yellow, and the place lit by one lamp. You can barely see where you're going as you stumble to the bar. Mine's one double whiskey, Tommy says with a bark. Muldoonie pours the whiskey, and Tommy sits down. Slides his coin across the bar and says with a frown, You keep topping me up and this coin is yours. Right-ho, says Muldooney, and he pours and he pours. And he pours the whiskey till Tommy's right drunk. Now Tommy's looking for a fight and Tommy's in a right funk. But by the table in the corner, there's a drunker man still. He's a poet by the name of Murray McPhill has a loose wagging tongue and a big bushy beard. He rhymes sailor with tailor and thinks our Tommy's weird. Though tonight he's not rhyming, he's bragging away. Says he's off on an adventure when this night becomes day. What do you mean adventure? Asks a man sitting next to McPhill. You mean night droving cattle or climbing a hill? Oh no, scoffs Murray. Then he downs a glass of stout. When I say adventure, I mean there's riches about. Like gold and silver, like crowns that are in jewels wrapped. And I don't tell a lie, because I have it here on this map.
The whole pub is quiet. Not a peep. Not a sound. All look to McPhil. And all look around. And there sits our Tommy. That is, Mr. O'Quire. He's glaring at Murray. And in his eyes are a fire. Fire of greed. Fire of hatred. Fire of foul intent. Murray stands. Murray leaves with his head sorely bent. Murray's rushing home now, the map clutched to his chest. The moon is alight and the stars are at their best. But Murray doesn't look up, he's racing dead ahead. Thinks our Tommy's after him, that our Tommy wants him dead. With a huff and a puff, finally he reaches home. Bolts the door, checks the locks and thinks that he's alone. It's the dead of night now. All the town's people are sleeping. In the sand all the crabs and crawlies are creeping. And from the dark, distant clouds comes a peal of thunder. And from the sky the gulls land, took their heads back for slumber. They're on the upturned boat where Tommy lives without care. But the worrying thing is that Tommy's not there. Now up in his bed, McPhil is reading his Bible praying to Jesus and his twelve disciples. Protect me from evil and protect me from sin, at least till the morning when I go treasure hunting. Then his candle flickers, throwing shapes upon the wall. But when Murray jumps up, there's nothing there at all. Murray goes to his window, looks down at the bay, and just on the horizon thinks he sees break of day. Hosanna! Hosanna! he cries. That's just my good luck. The gold's mine by the map which under my pillow is tucked. For a moment, just a moment, he thinks his prayers have come true. But Tommy's standing behind him, and Tommy's already run him through. Morning is broken in our fair little ville. The fishermen are out, their nets taking their fill of monkfish, mackerel, of cod and of skate. Fish that fill the stomach and that fill the dinner plate. Not not, the sun shines and the cows chew the cud, but the poet Murray McPhil is dead in a pool of blood. In the upturned boat on the beach, there's still not a sound, except the rats and the mice that chatter and scurry round. But that place has been vacated, no one ever to return. The owner has decided that his life must take a turn. So hidden down an alley, wearing an old worn leather cap, there's a man who is reading from an ancient paper map. The man is quite a youngster, but still of manhood's age. On his chin is peppered stubble, on his cheeks the red of rage. In his pocket is his trusty knife that's redder than rage still. In his backpack there's provisions, in his eye a steely will. 
He's an image of determination, an image of all that's dire. This man must be none other than the murderer, Tommy O'Quire. I just can't read this feckin' map, hisses Tommy to himself, and he spits a spittoon on the ground as he curses his lost wealth. These symbols are like Greek to me, and this map's key is like a code. If only I'd studied at my school and did as I was told. But then a spark hit Tommy, just like a sunshine ray, when he grabs the map by its edges and turns it up the other way. I see, I see, shouts Tommy and smacks his silly pate. That word there means forest, and that other one means cave. And there's the cliffs, and there's the town. It's all coming to him now. I could read this map, even if this map were upside down. And so sets off our Tommy, in the direction of the north. But who knows what awaits him, on his long and treacherous course. Out of the town, bad Tommy slips, without him being seen and heads into the hills beyond, his eyes a dart and keen. Out here, all is mist and mud. A man could easily lose his path, slipping into a peat-bog grave, breathing his very last. Our Tommy, though, is fleet of foot, and hale and hearty fit, and he skips over all dangers, onto the forest of Dunwit. Now there's one thing all of us should know, that Tommy sadly doesn't. He read the map too fast, too quick, and if you're wise, you mustn't. On that said map, there are helpful notes that warn you of what's coming. But Tommy's heading to Dunwitten well, of it he knows nothing. And the note does read, between you and me, a secret we shan't share, that in the forest of Dunwit, there lays the Cramper's lair. <laughs> Now, where were we? Oh, yes, I remember. Were we not discussing the month of November? How it's cold, how it rains, how there's nearly no light at all. How the trees become bare as their leaves they do fall. What's that? We weren't. Oh, forgive my brain, it does tire. I believe we were discussing Mr. Tommy O'Quire. Well, up comes Tommy to the top of the hills. The map tight in his palm, the boy still high from his kill from the previous night. Oh, what an awful scene! When he punctured poor Murray through his back and his spleen and left him for dead as the new day did come. Oh well, that's in the past and so we must go on. Our Tommy is now standing at the entrance to Dunwit. It's a forest, black and thick with trees and has a path of grit. And in Dunwit, no bird sings, and no deer do call their mates. For Dunwit is a cursed place. Men enter at their own fate. Still none of that minds Tommy, for he hasn't read the note. Therefore he wanders in whistling, thinking of his treasure trove. In the deepest depths of Dunwit, in the foulest, darkest spot, where there's stench of 
death, stench of decay, and all such things that rot. And bones are littered on the ground with bits of ragged cloth that might have been trousers or a cap or even a lady's glove. There is something astirring. There is something awake. Something that hears a distant whistle, a sound it can't mistake. Oh, why did Tommy's mother teach him to whistle so fine? That clear and clarion melody, that tune that's so divine. For as Tommy walks the path of grit, whistling his way through, the trees do start to quiver as they sense his final doom. Suddenly a form moves across the trees and Tommy cranes his head. But as he spins around to see, his feet have turned to lead. In front of Tommy stands the cramper, that terrible Satan spawn, who's known to devour babies, noon and night and morn, who's as tall as a tree and as fast as a deer and as vicious as a bear, who has dead black balls for his eyes and big bristles for his hair. And Tommy stands stuck to his spot, he's already dead meat, and the whistles left his lips alone to face the monster's feast. Keep on with the noise, the cramper cries and stamps his cloven feet. Don't stop yourself or I'll eat your hole and pick your leftovers from my teeth. Okay, so, stutters Tommy, and he tries to bring his lips together. But his mouth won't stay and his breath won't blow. He's at the end of his tether. Just one more chance, pleads Tommy. He can try a little harder. And Mr. Cramper, sir, if I do fail, you can have my guts for garters. The cramper seems well pleased with this and so backs off a little and folds his arms in readiness to hear young Tommy's whistle. Then Tommy takes a deep breath in of the good clear mountain air and whistles like his mother taught, clean, sonorous and fair. Well done, bellows the cramper as Tommy twiddles his last note and for that tune I'll take you through the forest and not cut your throat. I'm mighty charmed, that's mighty fair, sighs Tommy with relief. And if and when you get hungry, I know the best place to find beef. No, no, you're mistaken, I don't eat living flesh. In fact, I'm vegetarian, I like apples and berries best. Tommy's all agog at this revelation and can't believe his ears. Cramper says that it's just rumours that have been spread about the town for years. Enough of talk, says Cramper. Hop on my back, we'll run. There's worse than me here and done with. Now we should soldier on. And Tommy leaps onto the bristling back, which surprisingly is soft. Cramper screams, Hold on there, Tommy! And suddenly they're off. Rushing through the woodland, taking shortcuts from the path. So as almost in no time at all, Tommy's back on the green grass. My tanks, Cramper, says Tommy and thinks these monsters have their uses, especially if you're on a treasure hunt and with crampers can call truces. Cramper lopes back to the forest, waving a clawed hand in goodbye. And who'd have thought they'd end up friends when Tommy thought he'd die? But then, a pain shoots through him. What's this? No! A murderer's guilt! But there's no going back for Tommy. He's now in it, to the hilt. 
The Tale of Tommy O'Quire was written by Craig Jordan Baker. All voices were performed by Paul Socket. It was recorded and engineered at Garden Studios London. The Tale of Tommy O'Quire was produced and directed by Sally Beaumont for Wireless Theatre Kids. Please visit www.wirelesstheatrekids.co.uk for more children's audio downloads.